just gonna start now. Okay. Uh, do you want to repeat your question? Yeah. So, everyone... hi, hi everyone. Uh, welcome to the house of uh, talk about life, and you are viewing this on YouTube, and you also uh, are able to uh, listening into um, podcasting. And you know, because we are all in a digital world right now, uh, time is not relevant. You can be listening it today, tomorrow, one month, one year, or ten years later, it's going to be out there for time mortality. So time is actually non-existent in the virtual world. So, um, and today I like to uh, invite uh, Kimberly from the US, and uh, she's going to talk about. Uh, her experience and her motivation uh, in being a, a podcaster, and then we're going to go into uh, the topic of today: um, a pandemic in your country or pandemic in my country. Uh, and for the viewers who are new to uh, talk about life, talk about life is a platform either in YouTube or podcast that. Uh, it gives a platform to, to the ordinary people uh, to talk about the issues that's closest to your heart in a very honest, open manner, in a very respectful manner, and that uh, it is a platform that is non-judgmental. You know, to us, our opinions value, right? Whatever it is, you know, it's like mm-hmm. it is to me. Uh, it is important to me, and this is a platform whereby people uh, uh, tell the world this um, is important to me, and uh, this means a lot to me and I want you to know that. So this is uh, so much as the motivation and the mission of uh, uh, Talk About Life. So hi, uh, Kimberly from the US. Hello. Kimberly, would you tell us where you're from, what time zone you are? In Singapore, I... we are now in 6th of uh, November, uh, 1 p.m. on uh, Friday afternoon. Would you tell us where you are and what time zone you are and then um, introduce yourself uh, to the world? Sure. Oh, okay. First of all, my name is Kimberly. I won't give out my last name because I want to be somewhat anonymous. Uh, I am in the United States, more specifically in the West Coast of the United States. Yeah. It is November 5th, yeah. Thursday evening. It is 9.07 p.m. for me. Wonderful. <laughs> yep. Uh, now, a little thing of... You, you being a podcaster, why? I, and I see that's such a huge movement of podcasting in the U.S., and I'm really surprised because I'm a new podcaster. Um, <laughs> I just joined it like two weeks ago. Tell us about this movement and your motivation being a podcaster. Okay, so as far as the movement of podcasting goes, I think in the United States, it's a little bit more easier for people to create a platform to speak. And the really interesting thing about podcasting is you don't need a lot of stuff to get started. All you need is a computer to be able to record and a microphone. And it doesn't have to be a fancy microphone like the one I have, which is really not that fancy. It's maybe like $50 American dollars. Uh, It could also be headphones like the ones that I'm currently wearing, which came free with my cell phone when I bought it. Or cheap $10 headphones as long as it has a microphone and you can... uh, create more from that and you don't even need a computer you can actually just use your phone for me i can pull out my phone right here start the voice recorder app and just start talking into it but to do it collaboratively you need to do a little bit more research figure out what programs are there to be able to get started um but the reason i started podcasting is i've been wanting to create my own platform and a place for me to speak and I've always been nervous about speaking out. I'm very shy, very timid, but I have so many ideas and thoughts that I want to be able to express myself. And I decided to say, you know what? 
I'm going to go ahead and start a podcast. Even if no one listens to it, I'm going to get my voice out there. And I started the podcast that I have with my sister. And I'm planning on starting some more, one by myself, where I just get out of my comfort zone of talking to myself, with myself, if that makes sense. And maybe start one completely with a stranger to get to know them in the, what's the word, in the virtual space without having yes somewhere in the universe like and me I think, and you yes and i think one of the really good things about podcasting is you don't have to reveal much about who you are i don't have to post my face everywhere i just have to post my voice and if i stutter a lot which happens so much i end up embracing it and i'm pretty sure i will end up stuttering a lot i will say um i am in a area where people say dude and like a lot and I'm pretty sure when you listen over this again you'll hear that I won't notice it because I'm used to it but it's interesting to see how the vernacular of everyone is different throughout the world so I think that's one good thing about podcasting is that everyone has their different niche yeah, and, and I and I really applaud that and uh, I applaud it because I see it from uh, a macro perspective like what you say it's really like a democratizing of the world. You know, technology has democratized the world because people are able to tap onto this frequency uh, that is free, accessible to anyone, and anyone usually does have a handphone now, and it doesn't cost anything. And for us to become a real world community, I think the technology has made it there. And this wave that I'm seeing in America shocks me because when I looked at this, and before that I, I'm not a I'm not a podcaster, but even then I'm, this is my fourth year and doing YouTube. I'm just so shocked that this huge movement that people find their voices uh, in the podcasting world. And even like yesterday I was surfing, okay, Michelle Obama, she has a new podcasting and you know. Um, Barack Obama is just by the side talking and it, you know she's just out there doing her first episode and I'm looking at that it's like wow we are on par with these people the presidents of the world um, and you know it is almost like bringing this whole line of existence to one you look at it it is so powerful and yet it is so needed and it just means that um, we are the same, right? You and I, the presidents, the kings, the royalties, the monarchies, and, uh, and even people like in, 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 in the Sahara Desert, even people like in the street, even people like in the very basic or below the poverty line, they probably have access and everyone's life now becomes equal. I mean, how beautiful it is that now you've discovered that, hey, the frequency that everybody tunes in, isn't that what we have been talking about for um, time, uh, 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 for a long time? And that, but now it's really like it's becoming real because we are able to tap onto. Hey, uh, like what you say, your voice is important. Your existence is important, mm-hmm. and no one can say you are. You are not important. You are important to you. Your life is important. When we go to the deathbed. We are the same, aren't we? That last breath that we take, it is as important as the the, the, the Fortune 500 CEO. It is as important as okay, the king and the 
Meghan Markle. It is as as important as the the Prince Harrys of the world. I mean, don't you see that we are important? I think it, it kind of puts that uh, into perspective that. Well, suddenly we all wake up to this pandemic. That because we've got so much free time, like what you say, um, our lives are important. And so much as people who are fighting the war out there in the pandemic, uh, uh, thank you once again, uh, Kimberly, for uh, uh, being my guest in my show, uh, in YouTube, and also in podcast. Uh, I value your existence. I value your voice in my podcast. I value you. I value uh, your opinion. Uh, I value your existence. Not just because you are just a voice of the ads to my content, no. But I value whomever who is out there because you mean something to the world. Not only to your family, uh, not only to your sister who is your podcaster, uh, co-buddy, you know. Um, but I think that because we found this existence, we found that hey. Um, we mean a lot to the world because we are one of the brick and mortar that builds this humanity. How beautiful it is, you know, like podcasting, like what you say is like, hey, you've got so much uh, uh, things that you want to share uh, to the world, but this is something that you don't have to disclose where you are, whom you are, your identity, because that is not important. But because being in existence by itself. Is important. How beautiful it is, uh, Kimberly. What do you think? It's amazing. It, It's it absolutely amazing. amazing. Yeah, and, and when I when I see um, uh, the American podcasting movement, is like, oh my God, is this is what the people are doing? You know, there's so many people, and and you know that this is the first step of entrepreneurship. I did not I know that. that Because when when I was thinking about it, I'm looking at wow. People are they can they can they can podcast mm-hmm. can find your niche. You're competing with other podcasters. You're in this marketplace of competition to get your listeners, your viewers, and you have this opportunity to gain your clients who are your viewers and to have your subscribers or followers, and then you can build your brand. And yeah, that's true. Eventually, sell. Your brand and your products isn't that part of entrepreneurship? Do you see it that way? I don't see. It. I think I see it in a way of, for me, I see it as a sense of escape, and I see it as a sense to vent or to express myself. I don't see it as a brand, but I can see it potentially growing. I think because I'm still such a small. Podcaster, I think I have been podcasting a little over a month. I'm still relatively new. For me, it's just a way to express myself and a way for my sister to express herself, and for both of us to share our piece and uh, vocalize the things that are on our minds. Whether it is the problem with the pandemic, whether it is something that we're personally dealing with, and we want to create a community with whoever is listening with us while. We don't know where we are going in our life. I can be working at a full-time job somewhere and still not knowing what my purpose in life is. While my sister has a, a full idea of what she wants to do with her life, but doesn't know what kind of job it falls into. Like our identity, we are 
trying to figure out our identity with each other in public to everyone else through the podcast and i feel like that's something that's really relatable so maybe down the line we will create it into a brand but right now it's just us expressing ourselves and figuring out who we are with ourselves and to each other and you know for that i really commend you thumbs up double (laughs) thumbs up um and you know you are right to say that it's relatable and because um and this relatable relatability um it's relatable regardless where you are in the world yeah people are finding their ways in, in life people are finding their way of existence in a career in their jobs who they are where they're headed mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's going to be all these issues that everyone faces in this world. How beautiful it, it, it is, you know, if you're, you're, you are going through that. And I'm sure people in Singapore are also sharing the same uh, uh, issues with you, you know. And, yeah. and, and um, that's why, that's why uh, it will grow. You know, uh, uh, a person of your age group is the millennials, right? You're yes. Millenn- you're, you're in this millennial age group and that this millennial issue or anyone uh, going through a different phase of their lives, they will face these issues, isn't it? No matter yes. what. Regardless. Know, yeah, maybe in a later part, it's going to be dating. It's going to be yeah. like struggles with uh, uh, being uh, 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 identity in a relationship, you know, finding a footing, yeah. for example. You know, these are things that everyone shares and it, and 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 I, I commend you in, in sharing this uh, very openly with your family, with your sister, uh, with the world. And uh, I'm sure and I think uh, a voice of yours means a lot. And more people should tune in and more people should be sharing it. And then that's where the world really comes together as one. How beautiful it is. Kimberly, I just want to also uh, bring you to this uh, topic of us, uh, the pandemic. Tell us about uh, the current situation uh, uh, that where, where you are um, in a non-confidential way, where you are, you don't have to identify where you are in, in, a, in, a, in a spectrum whereby you are comfortable to describe uh, the situation, the uh, normalcy or non-normalcy, anxieties, fears or, or whatever thing that has transpired in this short span of a few months. Tell us about the situation. I think, okay, I am living in the United States, I'm not going to get more specific than that. Um, the really interesting thing is it depends on every state. So the United States has a compile uh, of 50 different states and within every state they have different regulations and different um, understandings and the different amounts of people within every state that would follow the regulations that the country has but in the state that i live in they do have uh required facial coverings or masks every time you enter any of the stores they are trying to enforce um, social distancing of six feet apart and no gatherings larger than 10 people but i know that there are people trying to normalize that and you can see it on social media who is following the regulations who is not at the same time you can see people really longing for normalcy wanting to be able to go out wanting to get back to their usual routine 
they're tired of being stuck at home all the time and fortunately i live in an area where the weather is really good so it's easy for people to go outside it's not snowing all the time it's not raining all the time it's relatively sunny almost all year round with the exception of cloudy rainy days and it's just there's there's like three different groups here in the united states where there's a group who believe that the pandemic is something that's made up and i don't fall into that group i can hear certain relatives or certain family uh, friends or co-workers who think that this is a conspiracy just to get people to stop i don't know contributing to the economy or something along the lines of that uh, there's a group who is anxious or nervous they have anxiety to go outside i kind of fall into that i don't want to leave my house at all i don't want to put anyone in my family at risk uh, i leave the house maybe once a week twice a week i would go to the grocery store or go to the store just to leave the house for 20 minutes or i would pass by to get food at a fast food restaurant or something along the lines of that but uh, the moment i leave my house i lock the door i'm already wearing my facial covering and walking to my car from the car i'm wearing my facial covering even if i'm in the car by myself i don't know why i'm kind of paranoid but if i'm outside maybe in the front yard just over there without leaving my property i would not be wearing my facial covering so i fall into that but at the same time if i'm with some family members and i know that they haven't been what's the word exposing themselves then i would be okay being around them without my facial covering but it's been almost seven months since i've seen my family members outside of my household and if i do see them i'm always wearing my facial covering unless i'm eating which that's a different situation then there's the group that is longing for normalcy they're kind of paranoid but they've also been at risk with the pandemic and they don't leave their house at all they get their groceries delivered to them they get everything delivered to them so it's really interesting to see who falls under what category and how they deal with the pandemic okay clarify again category three are they those who are tested positive or that they have been exposed that they self-quarantine are you talking about that no uh in for category three it is people who are at risk who probably have like a older, lower immune system older okay. yes older or people who have uh, immunity um disorder something that will make them uh most likely to get sick for anything uh, I know I live with my grandmother who happens to be a person who can be at risk and she's been here the entire time only leaves when she has mandatory doctor visits which I think has only happened two times since the pandemic lockdown uh, but I in the seven months yes and yeah which is very long it, after a while you get tired of being in the same place all the time and sometimes you get frustrated with your own family members and other times you absolutely love them right now i don't know where i stand okay um could you describe 
the numbers uh, you have not disclosed where you are, which is which is fine, which is good. Tell us the numbers. I know that I don't have the numbers specifically. I am one of those people who gets a lot of anxiety paying attention to the statistics. But I know that in the United States, the numbers are very high of people who are testing positive and of people who have passed away with it. Um, oh, I wish I can pull them up so I can, let me see if I can pull them up. No, but I, can, I, I, do, I do know and for the viewers who are listening in, because there's no time uh, of, con- of uh, time concept in the internet, uh, at this particular point uh, in time, we're talking about 6th of November, America is about about 9 million positive cases and today or yesterday it has hit the record breaking of 100,008 uh, cases tested within one day um, and uh, the, the rate of fatality has already hit 220,000 uh, who, who, people who otherwise live and also in every country um, the way that they declare uh, uh, fatality is different. You know, it really depends on the rules of a particular hospital or a particular area or region, depending on the doctor also, how they actually declare. So um, this is the what we see officially that is out there. And um, this is the rate that we're talking about in the US. And of course, like, like you, um, the statistics scares me, and I think I belong to category two, like Yeah, I think I did not know that it's hit nine million. I knew that the number was really high. I yeah. just didn't know how high because I don't want to pay attention to the statistics. Yeah. I don't want to wrap my mind around it and think of who of those nine million do I know personally in my life and sometimes you don't know and or you'll know through someone else who knows someone else who knows someone else and the possibility of it being so close to you is terrifying so I rather not focus on those numbers and I think, only pay attention yeah, the good thing is that out of the nine million a good proportion would have recovered yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know this is what I'm trying to say so um, sometimes the statistics it kind of scares people but people do forget that uh, a good proportion of them would have recovered and they are not infectious of course there's a period that they're infectious and after that uh, they build certain um, months of immunity so i hope that that doesn't scare by telling you how is your family coping in detail like how many family members do you have and and what kind of uh, energy you have in a household because people do have conflicts right and yeah. people do, um have, uh, you know, you hear a lot of uh, news out there that people do flare up, which is quite com- normal mm-hmm. because they're confined in such a small space for, for a long period of time uh, with mm-hmm. no fault of their own. Uh, you know, uh, parents, children, uh, people who are supposed to be working there in the house. Tell us and describe the household um, dynamic right now. Okay, so the household dynamic, we are in a three bedroom home with six people adults Uh, one is a senior about 90 plus years old so it's a small home yeah very small Uh, the senior has her own bedroom the parents have their own bedroom and I have two siblings and we share a room so there's three full-grown adults in one bedroom 
and it is very frustrating to find privacy to find a sense of your own space and quietness to be able to relax because everyone's trying to either work do homework i'm a student and i i work uh my sister is a full-time student my brother works and is also a full-time student so there's three students trying to find a place to properly work and we don't have a proper desk we don't have a proper place for us to do that and i don't want to say i'm complaining we've learned to manage we've been in this situation prior to the pandemic it just is amplified during the pandemic because we were able to leave the house to go to school and study at school we took advantage of public places where we can study and we were able to just breathe and being in the same confined area makes it really difficult um can you give uh maybe one or two specific examples whereby this fight or flare-ups occur uh i think the flare-ups that occur we are very very fortunate that we get along and we are able to vocalize our concerns that we don't physically fight we don't argue really quickly i think the flare-ups that happen is if someone is in the living room trying to study and they get very loud while other people are trying to sleep this the schedules that we have are all very different we have people who get up at six in the morning to go to work we have people who get up at eight in the morning to start school we have people who start at 12 in the afternoon and then all of the noise happening simultaneously is really really difficult and then there's times where classes run very late where they're in the evening where everyone's at home and we have to be really really quiet and we can't so that's where the flare-ups do tend to happen is we're just not able to be at home comfortably we have to take into consideration that someone else could hear us so virtual learning has made it very difficult working remotely has made it difficult because we have to take into consideration everyone else's needs how often does this flare-up uh, occur i think it happens usually when we are the most stressed so maybe closer to the end of the school semester when all of the assignments are piling up to submit them so last semester uh, america kind of runs in a semester basis uh, the spring semester began i believe end of january early february and ends mid to late may early june so that's where our semester ends and the flare-up usually peaks at that moment when we all have uh, a lot of tests we have a lot of essays to submit and sometimes there's a lot of noise either someone's watching tv very loudly our dogs keep barking at every little noise someone's clinging and clanging making noises in the kitchen and we're trying to study so we've all gotten to the point where we either put on headphones that are noise canceling to ignore everyone else or we play our own music to be able to focus that's when the flare-ups happen or the flare-ups can also happen when people want to just come home from work and be able to relax and they can't because we are in a class so they can't express themselves properly without people hearing or eavesdropping that are probably unmuted in a classroom so it's usually those kind of things sometimes it happens once a week sometimes it happens once every three months <laughs> um and kudos to you guys because it's so tough 
to have it is us, very tough. Uh, adults uh, and yes. uh, school uh, uh, students doing all this under one roof. Um, and and you've and you've described it with such clarity, right? Um, yeah. Is there a moment whereby people wanted to just give up? All of us. <laughs> <laughs> we all wanted to give up. We still want to give up. Yeah, I mean that level of stress seems like it's it's already part of this family dynamic uh, in that in that climate, yep. the family climate, as opposed to pre-pandemic times, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would think that how long did you all get adjusted? Uh, to like quickly get into that that mode of like you all accepted it and then you all have to live together um, like six person under one roof and then maintain that how long did it take that hey this epiphany that hey I think we have to quickly get into it how long did it take for you all to like go into that mode I think it took us about a month to get used to it we've lived all of us have lived in the same house all of our lives um in my late 20s i've lived with my younger siblings yeah. forever <laughs> we've gotten used to that already um but when the united states and specifically the school district that i work with they initiated the stay at home order and lockdown i want to say in mid-march so for me it took about two weeks for the school to figure out what they wanted to do they pushed our spring break earlier and then gave us a week off of school and work that it took them two weeks to figure out how we were going to figure things out um my sister who's in a different uh, school district in a different campus uh, had to do all of her work remotely and it was stressful for her because she had to write down all her notes on pieces of paper before and submit homework before and on paper and then changing it to other things. The unfortunate stuff about that is that some of the work that she had previously hand in doesn't get, she didn't get it back because the professor has it in person. And the same goes with my brother. It just, it took us, uh, I wanna say about a month to get used to all of that. The thing that made it worse is we have people here who are not technologically savvy and the transition to working remotely and doing things virtually was another added layer of stress which made it a heavier burden to those who did know how to use technology because they had to figure things out for themselves and then guide someone else to go through that. So I want to say a month for sure it, it took us to get accommodated to all of us being at home. Okay, two things uh, I, I want you to explain a little bit. Uh, one is about the stay-at-home study uh, mm -hmm. school that were asked to close and also the lockdown. Uh, what, what kind of lockdown extent um, and tell us the, the, the announcement um, and how much time you all were given to lock yourselves down? Uh, okay, so for me, let me double check my calendar. I remember writing this down uh, prior to the pandemic. 
when the um, World Organization announced the pandemic as a pandemic, I was at the gym out in public on March 11th, which was a Wednesday, middle of the day. I had just gotten off of work and schools apparently released announcements stating that the there is a very very high possibility that we will be moving remotely but we weren't sure it wasn't set in stone on march 12th when i came into work we were we meaning myself and two other co-workers were coming up with a plan to transition our job virtually through zoom through Microsoft Teams or other modes of communication. And on March 13th, I went to a wedding, (laughs) which it was really not the greatest idea, but it wasn't enforced then. The stay at home order was enforced uh, as of March 15th, which was a Sunday. And the lockdown basically stated that non-essential um non-essential jobs and people have to stay at home so that happened like um the the formal announcement when they announced it and they gave you how many days they you're not on the 15 right Yes, the fifteenth was when they started enforcing it, and oh, okay. if you it was eight on the thirteenth, uh, on the eleventh, on the eleventh, when the World Health Organization made some announcements, right? Yes, okay. the World Health Organization. Yeah. So you have got eleven, and then your government or the regulators actually made your official announcement that this is going to happen on the mm-hmm. on the yes, fifteen, fifteen, and on your fifteen. All of you, all of you, automatically went into lockdown. Am I right to say yeah. that? Yes, pretty much. So during that time of the fifteen, was there a lot of people who were disgruntled, people who yes. refused to comply? Can you tell us a bit? Yes. So a lot of people were very upset about having to adjust their um, their schedules, having to figure out whether they are going to be working at home or not, um, and. I think prior to that, there were a lot of people preparing for the pandemic to never leave their house for two weeks, I think is what the <laughs> government has said. They said prepare at least two weeks worth of food or have stuff like that. Um, I know once the World Organization had announced that coronavirus is a global pandemic, our, my family rushed to the store to get whatever we could that we can store, whether it is rice that we can cook, beans, uh, toilet paper, uh, cleaning products, whatever we could. And I was one of those people who got anxious just seeing everything empty in the store. It seemed like people were preparing for the end of the world. And we have, my parents have taken photos of how empty the stores were and it's terrifying and for two after two weeks i went to the store for some reason i don't remember what it was but i went to the store for a quick errand and everything was still empty and 
everything was out of stock whatever you needed was out of stock which was very stressful and it was very overwhelming and very upsetting to see that people were hoarding a bunch of products that they don't probably need that i saw a bunch of cars in the parking lot of the stores that i would go to filled to the brim with products and i was just thinking do you really need all of that stuff some of that stuff someone else might really need it today and you're taking care of that in your car so okay, it was I, very I want, you, i want you to also explain um as a young woman uh two things like what went on in your mind right in very descriptive detail and also what is the typical conversation that your family or your friends had at that moment and you know that you are actually documenting history for us Tell yes us. i can actually say that because i have a journal and i remember writing down Tell how us. i felt read it off okay give me one second let me see no, if but I you know that whatever thing. you are doing right now is so important whatever we are doing right now is so important because Um, when this is all over, one year's time, two years time, in anthropo- anthropology, we'll look back and discover these are the documents that they will yes. make of the YouTube. Yes. Tell, tell us, um, or write, read to us, what on went on in your mind and what was the conversation that went on among you people, friends or family? Yes, so the, I will talk about the conversation my family had. Okay. Uh, before I go into this, I yeah. remember coming home after work, after going to the gym, and my parents going straight to a Costco, which is like a bulk wholesale store oh, where you can buy a lot of stuff. Yeah. And um, my brother, they came up with a plan on who was going to go to what store and what essentials we needed. And they were going to divide. Someone's going to try to buy paper, someone's going to try water, try to buy water, someone's going to buy food, uh, emergency kits, because I am also in an area where earthquakes are very plausible. So we were preparing for everything. <laughs> and um, we had come up with that plan. And I have a grandmother who is at risk. And she's seen people walk, running in and out of the house, bringing in groceries, bringing in different supplies and reorganizing our living situation so we could fit everything that we were going to get, which we didn't buy a lot of stuff of, but it felt like it was a lot because we only buy what we needed on a week to week basis. And at that point, we had to buy maybe a month's worth of stuff just to be safe. And I stayed at home because I knew how terrifying it was. I got overwhelmed by the rushing back and forth. So I stayed home to keep my grandmother at ease. My brother, my sister, and my parents went on their own separate ways to go grocery shopping. And everything was overwhelming and terrifying. The things that were going in my mind and I had written it down yes, somewhere. Write it down, write it down. I read it out. What I said is, let me see. Um, I'm not one to freak out very easily or to get sick. Uh, I tend to worry of other people getting sick and previously played video games where the possibility of a plague happening was really funny. Uh, but I'm okay with people dying And I am okay with the entire race of humanity kind of dying because it sometimes it's our own time. 
that right now I am terrified. I am scared of the panic that the humanity is causing and I am scared of the press exaggerating everything. I am also scared of the lack of information that we have, the over-exaggeration. There is nothing. I am afraid of every single little thing that has, is posted online and it is that it, it is only a virus. It's not about politics. It's not about healthcare. It's not about all the, all the other things that matter. But I can't remember when the news of the wildfires have stopped. So when have these fires stopped? Because at that moment, there were also fires in, um, uh, in um, a certain area. So the news is constantly providing so much information and that it was overwhelming, that it was terrifying. It's, it's hard to remember when things were, um, when they stopped being talked about. And I also stated that I am scared of humanity and I am scared of what little power human, humans have and how blinded they are and how blindfolded they are. Schools are closing down then as though they haven't been affected. My school is open, but I think they're gonna close. Uh, I'm scared because I have to live with people who don't leave their house. I'm not that scared, but I am worried and I am just terrified that um, the wave of humanity will come over us and I don't even want to leave my house. I just want to stay at home because I don't want to see the panic. I can't handle it. I just can't. And that's how I ended it. That was absolutely terrifying. And I think initially I recorded myself saying that in a voice thing and I was crying. I was crying when I wrote that. And I, listened. Uh, I don't have it now. <laughs> no, I don't have it right now. To, to, to me uh, a little bit later on. And thank you for, for sharing that. I mean, that is really a document. Yeah. No, that is something because you actually took the effort to actually mm -hmm. write down because it really affected you yeah. so much. And you are actually contributing to this document of history. And, and you know, if you do look back, um, maybe that, that emotion is going up and going down, right? Yes. Tell us a bit about this, this wave of emotions, like the uncertainty, the anxiety, the kind of getting calm, and then it came back again, tell us. I think it was just, it's very interesting. It is a wave of emotions going up and down. It is a roller coaster of emotions and these stresses that happen and the people you're able to talk to about it. I remember coming home and just crying to my mom and telling her, I'm scared for you. I don't, I know you're gonna be at home, but I'm scared for you because I don't wanna lose you. I'm terrified of that. And I get overly emotional very easily that I'm tearing up right now, which is okay. But it's that terror, that fear of possibly losing someone was really strong. Thank you so much. Calm down, girl. You're okay. <laughs> you know, I just want to share with you. Um, you know, you know, I'm in Singapore. I went through almost the same feeling, and I got a friend, and I documented uh, uh, some of my calls with my friends uh, in Europe. They went through the same thing. Yes. Um, I'm not sure how uh, men handle it because my husband doesn't seem to have that kind. But you know, me and my girlfriends go through the same thing uh, in, in different parts of the world. You know, uh, uh, the kind of fear, 
by yep. looking at the numbers because I'm a numbers person. And I think the only thing that came out concretely was numbers. Yes. I mean, the so, news was there. And, and I think, I'm not quite sure about your country. Um, just to share a little bit with you is like, in my country, um, I think there's control of information and control of the news. They didn't want to like uh, make the people go into this panic mode. So they kind of like controlled it. But if you look at the international news, things that came out from the international website were numbers. And, and the kind of numbers that you're looking at is, is going to be like, okay. Um, and because we study mathematics, right? <laughs> Statistics, right? You know, it's going like going up. And you can, you can kind of like project it in your mind. Yes. It's going to go there. And it kind of can project it. It's going to go like where, right? Um, that kind of sets that mode of uh, fear consciously or unconsciously. You know, and I call and, and I had this resistance to call my friends because really I didn't want to put my fear into their mind. Um, I kind of like kept it inside. Yes. Uh, I didn't want to like magnify other people's fears because I didn't know what they what was going on. I, I, I just wanted to be really, really careful about my feelings, about disclosing what I'm going through. Um, I mean, thanks to you, like you, you told us to your mom, etc. Um, and that was kind of an uplift, you know, but when I called my friends in, in, in Europe, they went through the same thing. Hey girl, don't worry. All of us go in this together. Um, I, I just want to ask you also, uh, and also thanks to you for sharing what you documented in your journal because it's so important when you look back that that is going to be a piece of document that you can flash out in the internet like hey this is part of history and we are going through history you know in, yeah. in, our, in our lifetime in this generation um, I also want you to tell us in the community at that time what went on that lockdown period was it chaotic? It seems like it is chaos because like people are going in and out of the sh- out of the shop. They're trying to like um, hoard as much things as possible um, to, to you know because they don't know how long it's going to be. It could be two weeks. It could be a month. Um, they just want to be safe. They took as much as possible. Describe that period in the community. I think I can only speak about what I've heard. I haven't witnessed anything, yeah. but prior to that, I knew coworkers who were saying. My mom went to Costco to stock up on all the meat and went to stock up on all of the stuff that they wanted. She prepared two weeks ago when this virus started hitting the news here in my area. Uh, and within my neighborhood, I we were night people and or we were day workers and we only had time at night other people in this neighborhood were able to get their groceries done earlier in the day so i haven't seen the chaos of them loading or unloading i only saw the chaos that my family had and the pictures yeah and the pictures i that's all i was able to focus on and i think the pandemic provided a sense of tunnel vision where you only focus on what you had to prioritize, which is yourself, your health, and your family. And you ignored everything else. Whether my uh, my neighbors were going through the chaos or not, I don't know. Right now, fortunately, the, uh, I see my neighbors, they're all in good health. It doesn't seem like they're in a sense of chaos, 
but the only thing that I can say is that everyone did end up getting frustrated with the transition to working at home. I have a neighbor who works with another school district and she she doesn't like using technology. She's one person who likes to be outdoors all the time. And then she has a husband who wants to be able to enjoy his time at home and then that balance in class it's just frustrating everyone's frustrated at this point but at that time i couldn't see the chaos because i only prioritized the chaos within my household not what everyone else was but there is something in the air right yes kind of tension yes uh, in the there was in the outside can, can i also ask like um uh, uh, were there people who like protested because you know at that time there were news from the US coming out that people uh, after a couple of days they, they were okay with the quarantine or self-isolation for a while but after like two weeks the people just came out and uh, people were in the street and people were protesting because they say that uh, my job is important etc uh, etc et what, what was it real to you or was it what, what that did not hit your community that I don't think that hit my community uh, because I live in a residential area where most of the people were either retired or it was easier for them to transition to working online or they're working um, essential jobs, working at groceries, uh, grocery stores or working in uh, hospitals or working at fast food restaurants or restaurants overall. and that tension was there but i did not witness or see any of the protesting the only protesting that i started observing happened late may because initially the lockdown was two weeks then it got pushed back to three months which was maybe may or june and then it's it kept getting pushed back or the regulations that my area had was being different than everyone else and can, can i can i just clarify a point before you go into it what that means there was official announcements that this is going to prolong to from two weeks to possibly three months is an official announcement yes i see yes so it how did you take it at that time? I took it in a sense of, okay, I'm not going to do anything anymore. I'm not going to go out on dates anymore. I am going to be stuck at home with my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, and my grandma. Okay. <laughs> and oh my gosh, I'm going to get bored. Okay, tell me about school. Because there are family members in your household who are uh, school-going uh, uh, people. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, so there was a school lockdown too, close, yes. I should say, a closed down school. Yes. Tell us how it was done, in what kind of phases, and tell us um, about the people in your family who reacted to that. So what the, the school had sent out several emails. Uh, mm -hmm. Every school is different. The district that I was in, they sent out an email, maybe the beginning of the week where they announced the possible lockdown. Uh, I guess, yeah, in the middle of March, beginning of March, where they were saying, pay attention to these factors, start being careful, don't share 
depends. I'm a tutor, so I always had people come to me to help them with their homework or something like that, and I would share pens. Um, at that point, we were kind of hesitant, but the same day that I told you the World Organization declared coronavirus as a pen, uh, global pandemic, which was uh, March 11th, they announced that schools were going to close for about two weeks. And during those two weeks, they're going to figure out whether uh, they're going to move remotely, uh, teach remotely. And if so, people who have to teach remotely have to either be up to date to the technology or learn how to teach remotely. <laughs> and or uh, the only possible students who can be on campus have to be the ones that are necessarily on campus, whether it is like a fitness class or a science lab. I think we're the ones that were the exception. Um, but during those two weeks, the school sent out several surveys asking whether we had the technology to study at home, whether we had the resources to have internet at home. And if we didn't, here were companies that were gonna give us Wi-Fi for free for X amount of time, three months, let's say. And and if we didn't have a computer at home, because a lot of the students in the district that I work with and go to school at, they are low income students that probably don't have that and use the school to get technology. They had to go reach out to the school to borrow technology. And the process of that was very delayed and very, but I want to say that the response for that was fantastic because they were able to get, get the students the help and resources they needed to be able to continue their studies. The school was also uh, wave, um, adjusting, allowing students to drop classes if they were not able to, and they didn't charge them for that. Uh, so that the school was very accepting in that sense. For my district, and uh, for my sister, on the other hand, her school is more on the scientific and engineering field. So they had already expectations that they know how to use technology. Most of the teachers are younger, so they were able to quickly adapt. And for her, the frustration was just having to be on the computer almost 24 seven to be in class, to do her studies and to submit her homework. When you say do, because she she's kind of like an essential student, so she did it in school. Yes, originally she had done most of her studies at school, but the classes that she was taking wasn't necessarily essential enough for her to continue going to school. So she was able to do the classes at home. So that means during this three month period, people had to adjust, readjust to either doing it in a home or in the school. Um, yes. Like your sister um, and yourself as a tutor. Um, uh, I mean, it, it, it sounds that it's really moving very smoothly because you know, a school has a system, right? Classes, teachers, there's this hierarchy that okay, yes. this is going to be done. So it's very systematic and it was in a way successful. Um, yes. And this this thing went on for like actually two weeks. Then it went on to three months. Was yes. there a fatigue that set in? 
I want to say that a month into doing this, all yeah. of the teachers and all of the students were very fatigued by having to sit in front of the computer all the time and having to put up with the lack of knowledge or training because the district that I worked for, most of the teachers are older, close to retiring, not very used to technology. I think one or two teachers actually didn't even have a computer at their home and didn't know how to use the technology that they had to find a way to get access to a computer, get access to the internet for their home and try to learn the software that they have to learn and I fortunately was a tutor for one of the professors who had that situation and I was very constantly communicating via email they knew how to email but they didn't know how to use canvas which is the software we use they didn't know how to use zoom and it was everyone was confused everyone was lost everyone missed the interaction with each other and it just they felt more exhausted because they had to keep their cameras on all the time and after a while some people realize that you don't need to keep your camera on all the time because you find a way to keep looking at yourself on zoom and if you look at yourself for eight hours straight you're gonna get tired and you want to walk away from yourself so it, everyone yeah, and you can't. <laughs> and I like I like the way you put it that, you know, after a while you became just tunnel vision. Yes. You became just so focused on yourself and your family, you forgot about the community. And I like the yes. way you, you really put across that the priority was taking care of yourself and your family. You know, and the rest didn't really matter. And of course the other thing that mattered was your job, right? Like I Mm-hmm. Job as a student or job as a teacher, uh, job as a as a, as a as a worker, and that that kind of like lead you into the tunnel vision. I think that kind of epitomizes a lot of the people going through the pandemic because when they go into a lockdown mode, right? Yeah. What do you have? You have the four walls plus all the chaos in the house. <laughs> yes. Plus all that the 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 heap of that uh, rubbish, the dump, and and. Uh, you know, however your house is being managed. Did that part of the thing, right, pile into the mind and how did people get going when the mind became um, closed in? Like the wall like, is coming onto you. How did you manage as a teacher? Because as a tutor, because you had to manage your classes, your teaching, plus your family, and versus technology that even though you you are able to handle and thank God that you were able to handle um I'm mm. I'm not able to handle it but thank God for me that I didn't have to really like work um tell me did that caving in pile onto your mind that one day you just wanted to kind of like scream inside your head that was every day for me. <laughs> I wanted to scream every day. I wanted to cry. I wanted to pull my own hair out all the time because how stressed I was. But I was also so tired of staring at a screen and dealing with so much noise. Because in the beginning of the pandemic for work or school, everyone was asking so many questions. What's going to happen? What are we going to do? when are we going to get answers they were there was it was a constant state of uncertainty that no matter how many times i repeated answers that we don't know what's going on we're going to get an email when we figure out what's going to happen we're going to 
right now this is what we're doing we're trying to cope this is all we can do i was as transparent as i could be at work for school everything else and i checked in with everyone uh the good thing is that we are in a a time period where there's so much technology and so many other ways to communicate that my coworkers uh created a discord server where we can just communicate and kind of have a place to separate ourselves from work to have fun and we set up situations where we would probably meet on Zoom or play video games remotely whether it is through PC or some other way we try to create a sense of normalcy because fantastic it was hard it was really yeah, yeah, hard and yeah. there was a time period where we were all isolated from each other without any form of communication because we didn't have each other's emails we didn't have each other's phone numbers and we didn't have a way to communicate and then once their supervisor got us uh, got in touch with all of us and got into a zoom meeting with all of us we exchanged phone numbers exchanged emails and got onto that discord server where we were able to just chat and create the and vent our frustrations the yes, we vented our frustrations and we were able to reestablish the community we had at work but from home yeah but you know if if your colleague had hadn't done that can you imagine how um how a pressure cooker that unseen pressure cooker that is being built up in the mind And that's why a lot of people actually break down during this during this period. Have you heard? I know that there's a lot of people uh, very overwhelmed. I personally have not seen anyone who has uh, reacted in any way as far as that goes. But I know that it is a lot, and I think as the pandemic happens and as time passes, we try to find a way to cope. or try to find another outlet for us. For me, I started playing video games. I never played video games before. I needed a distraction. So, my distraction was video games. But before that, I used to read, but because I was constantly reading and because I was constantly doing something else, it wasn't giving me the satisfaction that I wanted anymore. So, I turned to video games where I can kill things instead and like vent <laughs> my frustrations, kill things. Okay. Um Two more questions. Um, I think, uh, people who are logging in right now, tuning in uh, to talk about life. We have Kimberly from the U.S. who has detailed very clearly uh, in descriptive terms what went on with her life that could kind of like epitomizes a lot of people all over the world. But you have actually done it in such eloquent, clear manner uh, in the way you speak. In the way you describe that, I thank you once again. I just want to ask you two more questions. Uh, number one, what do you foresee is going to happen? What's going to happen to your community? What's going to happen to your country? Um, one is what you can see is going to happen in reality, and what you hope to see. All right, reality and hopes are different, right? And then yes. um, uh, tell us. Um, How did your house? Because you were saying there's a lot of arrangements, right, mm-hmm. in your house to get into that mode. And tell us how do you all keep yourself functioning? I like that part whereby I hope that you can describe how you all keep yourself functioning from now on, uh, and give us some tips because you you it, it is something that is 
uh, incredible. We've got like six adults in the household in three rooms, living for the last uh, seven to eight months and trying to um, cope with all these things that you you are saying. Um, that I wanted to say in detail because you're so eloquent in your description. Okay, these two questions tell us. Okay, I will start off with the question of what I foresee happening and what I hope to happen. Yeah. Um, I foresee people getting very excited. Uh, if the pandemic ends, we don't know what's going to happen. But I see people getting excited and probably start getting really reckless. And I foresee Any chaos reckless? happening. Chaos. Uh, um, I We've seen... Here in the United States, we've seen multiple waves of chaos, some because of the pandemic, some because of just human rights as it is. And I won't touch about that right now, uh, just because we're also in a, a, in a state of chaos with the political uh, election that we're currently <laughs> trying to deal with. Um, but there's waves of chaos and I just see that there is going to be a big sense of celebration but it's going to end up chaotic. That's how I foresee it but I tend to have this mentality where things turn out for the worst. I don't know why, I just do. It's like uh, another wave. You're saying that there's yes. going to be another wave. Tell us how your house uh, organizes itself and uh, sustain itself, you know, because you're saying that you are reorganized. Can I describe, describe, not on a conceptual okay. level, but but in, in a way that you can give some tips to the people. Tell us at least three things you all organize yourself to sustain yourselves. Uh, we try to put things into boxes and play Tetris in with furniture. Uh, so what we do, um, right next to me I have this shelf and I try to stack as many things as possible to get them out of the way to be able to set up this foldable desk that I have because right in front of me you won't be able to see it but right in front of me I have a bed <laughs> because there's three adults in one room there's three beds in one room and a little bit of space to set anything up I'm using a dining chair and a foldable desk, literally legs and a plank of wood, pretty much propped up on a lap desk. Uh, try to use whatever you can and try to uh, see if there's a way for you to put it away. So for me, it's foldable in the sense that I can make it flat and hide it behind a couch where it's just maybe this thick. So it's easy for me to set up, but it's frustrating because it makes noise when I have to set it up in the morning and put it away at night. Um, I guess another thing is use what you have. We have counter space and we have a dining table that wasn't being used and we make the dining table a desk for, I know it's supposed to sit six people, but we use it for two people to focus on their studies while I have this foldable desk. And try to find a way how you can store your stuff. We use every space possible we don't have proper bookshelves, so we put the books in boxes and probably put them into storage space. We try to always look through what it is that we have and get rid of anything we don't need so we can try to make up the space another way. Uh, I have this closet behind me. There's three adults sharing this closet and it's either find another way to fold your clothes to make the most out of your drawer space and closet space or so you can 
move any unnecessary furniture or any unnecessary things into somewhere else where you don't need it. And really because right now, the things that is in the office have to be moved to the home. The things yes. that are in the school have to be moved in the home, right? Suddenly, yes. you have this clutter of things that you need to organize. Um, is there a new uh, procedures that you all say, hey, the family sits down together. Okay, guys, uh, this is what we're going to do on Monday, da 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 da, da Tuesday. Da. Is there a, a procedure uh, uh, that people follow, a schedule that, you know, keep things in line? Uh, I think the only procedure we have is if you are in class, put a sign that says you are in class. So oh. we are considerate. I think one, we made a sign that will be hung on a chair like this or on a door in a different room that we can just flip on and off kind of um, kind of like a book. So for example, say I hang this journal on the chair and I just lift this like yeah. this it will say a sign i am in class please don't make noise and it's right in the entrance uh so if someone from outside is working and they come in and they see that the sign says i am in class they try to be as quiet as possible or we have written down our schedules but in a way where we can all see it and if we forget that someone is in class because sometimes we forget to uh, adjust that uh, sign we can go straight into the um, the kitchen where everyone's gonna pass by there to grab water for something and we can see each other's schedules or sometimes we would send each other a text message and ask hey are you in class can we make noise usually if someone is sitting in front of a computer like I am we are going to assume that they are doing something for school or work because wow. when you're done with that, you don't want to be in front of the computer. You are tired and, and, of being. And I, I applaud you guys. I do, I do. I applaud you guys because you guys are so considerate um, for each other, and that it's not easy at all to to be yeah. able to like keep within that lane, and that lane is getting smaller, and yes, a physical living lane, which is. Physiologically, you're getting small, and mentally, yes. you're getting small. Like the tunnel vision just gets, the tunnel gets smaller, yes. and the vision gets smaller. And to live in there in a sane manner, my God, it's like, can you please send my regards to your family? Like, clap <laughs> and like thumbs up, you know, like hundred thumbs up. Okay, now uh, to conclude, um, uh, I hope this conversation doesn't conclude as I would like you to invite you again. Uh, to share okay. with people, um, uh, this is really to me. It's like it's big deal. We're in uh, history. It's it's big yes. deal. It can be in a book. And um, I, I really want you to come back again. Uh, and some of the questions that um, I hope we can we can explore and share with people uh, again. And I and I mean it uh, probably like next week or so. And and next is that to conclude, um, how are you going to sustain? Um, if the WHO says we're in a 50% point of the pandemic and Dr. Oh, Fauci no. says that hey the vaccine is going to come out but we don't know that it's effectiveness and that's not going to end the pandemic so yeah. uh, a magic one um, maybe loses its magic <laughs> we hope the magic one is going to come so yeah. for the next if we are gonna, if we are in a fifty percent uh, point 
of this curve. How how do you foresee your family is going to grow? I I think I've had this conversation with my sister. I think within the next year, I'm moving out. <laughs> <laughs> just to get a bigger space, just to be able to get that sense of um, privacy, because I I love my family. I I will give my life for them if I have to, um, but there's sanity. only so much you can for handle. Sanity. Yeah, for sanity, I think the good thing, uh, I guess, the only thing that I could say that I would cope is either get another dog so I can distract myself more, <laughs> or. Uh, find um a way just to leave the house a couple hours because i've gotten to this point where i'm tired of being at home 24 7 uh going to the store is not cutting it anymore i might need to just go out for a drive with the windows down maybe drive to a beach just to clear my head and i think adding a sense of that once in a while can be very therapeutic and very helpful i think out of everyone in this household with the exception of my grandmother has left the house for longer periods of time for work or to see their significant other Uh, i don't have a significant other i don't have a valid excuse to leave the house so have coming up with some sense of self-care outside of the home would be a a thing that i would probably end up including absolutely essential to really like Um, I think even if you were to move out, you're helping other people because you're giving up a space. Yeah. You look at it that way. Instead of like three beds, now the room has got just two beds. You're helping another person if you think it that way. Yeah. And in that way, you are telling them you love them because you're giving them that space that they really need when they couldn't even move out. Because you you are an independent woman, you've you've got your income coming in. Mm-hmm. Right? Can you think of people who do not have an income? They can't even like move out. So um, I think with that conclusion, um, I want to thank Kimberly so much. Not because I want you to go, but because I think this wraps up a one hour and ten minute of our conversation, which I'm gonna chop it up into like two or three episodes. Um, but I would really sincerely want you to come back to share with Singaporeans, people uh, in the world um, now. Or forever because it's going to be out there in for time mortality right immortality yeah. um it's going to be a document for history um i would like to invite you back but hey guys um people who are tuning in to the podcast uh, to your podcast to my podcast to my youtube uh, channel um this is a very important uh, period of history um it's not understated or it cannot it can't be overstated it can't be overstated um, that this is a, a point in history. So uh, thank you once again, uh, Kimberly, for sharing with us the pandemic in the community, what went on in her mind. She shared her journal. She shared um, the chaos that came in after the announcement. And she shared the current situation in the past uh, seven to eight months that has happened. And she's sharing what's her vision that is going to happen. Uh, and her hopes and aspiration uh, for, the, for, for, for what's, what's, what's to come. And also her certain standard of procedures that happen within the organization of the home that keep our home safe. And these are some tips that people can take away. Um, thank you so much, Kimberly. Thank you so much for having me. 
Okay, this ends the, the, the conversation, but it doesn't end um, our conversation. Uh, Kimberly, I, I personally commend you and my, my, my heart uh, and my hope from Singapore to your family and tell them that, hey, um, I wish the best for your family. Can, can you come back sometime end of the month um, after the 16th? Because I've got, I've got all the conversations booked up, but I would like you to come back um, and I think it's, it's important for you to come back to think through like what I have not shared that I want to okay. share. Uh, and I'm going to put up quickly uh, in podcast because, you know, I, have, I, I don't need to do any editing. But for YouTube, I need to like put up a picture. I need to describe that. It takes a little bit of time. But I'm going to put this up onto uh, the podcast ASAP within the, the weekend. And then think through uh, what are the things that you don't mind sharing. Uh, with us and with the world like what you like what conversation you and your sister have and you know I wouldn't mind having your sister coming on um, so three of us can have a YouTube channel and plus a podcast too she can talk about herself uh, what went on in her mind and then both of you can have a conversation and we can and we can hear it uh, let me know what more makes you comfortable um, and what are the things that you want to share more like you know some of the protests that went on etc etc um, thank you so much, Kimberly. Thank you so much. Anything else? Um, no, I don't think so. I think this yeah. is a really good uh, foundation so far. Wonderful. I mean, I think people are trying to like, get this out. <laughs> this is so important part of our lives. Okay, you know what, Kimberly? I'm going to ask you a couple of things. Uh, if you could like send a couple of pictures about the, the chaos that went on, then I can put it onto the YouTube. And uh, if you don't mind, like keep a snapshot of your journal that I can also put it on. But you, you can be like totally confidential. It could be like a blurred picture. Okay. It doesn't have to be like clear, but something that showed that you kind of like journalize that. Um, mm -hmm. That would really, really be good. And maybe a couple of, uh, maybe a picture that you want to be in the cover of the YouTube that how you want to identify yourself to the world. It could be a professional picture that you are in the school, you're in class, or that you're in your headphones, whatever picture that you want to be identified by, by the world. Would that be good? Sure. Can yeah. you send me a message by, just to double check? Me by within the next 24 hours before, before you sleep tonight. Um, what time is it right now? It is 10.22 p.m. Great. Before the end of the night, before you, tur before you turn in. Thank you so much, Kimberly. Thank you so much. You, know, you don't know that how important our conversation is to you. No, I think it's a very important conversation. It is, it is, it is so important. Thank you and um, say hello um, to your family for me uh, from Singapore. All right, bye. bye. And I'm going to see you again very soon. Uh, let's nail some, something like after 16th of November. Okay, we'll see what we can work out. Thank you. Bye. Bye.